from Relay FM. This is virtual episode number 30. Today's show is brought to you by Hover, Simplified Domain Management, and Bushel, a cloud-based mobile device management solution for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Tendrils himself, Federico Vatici. <laughs> hello, hello. I like my new name. Frederick Tendrils, everybody. Yeah, can you explain the story for people who are not familiar with the Italian press? Yes, so I'll find a link and I'll put this in the in the show notes. So Federico, uh, because of his recent escapades around the world, <laughs> uh, he a local newspaper um, is it is it the Viterbo newspaper? Or is it is it a bigger one than that? Uh, La Stampa, right? La, no, that's the national paper. Oh, One of the national papers, yeah. Wow. So Federico has been written up in the national paper uh, about his his you know his story of uh, uh, look at it now, uh, <laughs> 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 you know, like a boy from a small town, you know, and then off he goes to to the big wide world, and uh, Google Translate translates Federico's name. It's a bit inconsistent, but basically, whilst reading through the article, he is referred to as Frederick Tendrils instead of Federico <laughs> Vatici, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Frederick Tendrils, everybody. I mean, it is accurate from a, a you know translation perspective. It, it is a correct translation. I guess if you really want to translate my name. Um, well... Yeah, but the, yeah, as I was saying to you before, like I understand if the teaching means tendrils, then great. But I don't know There's... why they would. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why they would uh, try and translate your like first name. Yeah, that's that's weird. <laughs> My parents were so excited about you know uh, all these interviews that I've been doing. Uh, actually, my my mom um, when I when I showed her the. Uh, the Apple invitation. She she requested a print a printed copy. Aww. Yeah, she wanted a printed copy of the. It's just the graphics that that you see in on every tech blog. That uh, <laughs> she wanted the printed version. Uh, she's really sweet. She's really happy about me, which is I guess is awesome. But also my all this you know uh, this story, this going back and forth between continents and the the Apple event and the interviews. It. Uh, has actually helped my father understand a little more of me and what I do, which is a nice consequence, I guess. These things, when when because we do such weird things, when you have things that happen to you that actually put it into the real world, like and in terms that your family and the other people in your life can understand, it makes a big difference. Like being in a newspaper is a big thing for them, yeah, yeah, because they they can understand what that means much more than like. John Gruber wrote about me on his blog. Do you know that that stuff? It <laughs> yeah, means yeah. nothing. Yeah. But to them, like in this scenario, it does. It means something, which is you know, it's nice. It's very nice. So there you go. So uh, Frederick Tendrils. Oh, Frederick, I wanted to give a bit of follow up because we didn't mention it. We haven't obviously haven't mentioned it on this show. We might, and I think we may have forgotten otherwise that your middle name is Dante. People that listen to <laughs> yes. do not listen to Connected may have missed that. <laughs> uh, we were talking about it last week, I think. And you are Frederick Dante Tendrils. Uh, That's uh, quite the name. <laughs> I wonder what the the Italian translation, like the the English translation of Dante, is. It's, I guess it's Dante. Well, I don't know if uh, Federico is Frederick. So Dan- Dantes, maybe I don't know. Let me see. I'm I'm, I'm trying to open Google Translate to find <laughs> just this just put in Dante and see what happens. I was thinking, you know, if we, you were trying to think of like an, an anglicized name, it may be like Dean or something like that. 
Um, but let's see what we got here. So let's go to Italian. It's just Dante. It is just Dante. <laughs> but then if I type in Federico, what happens? Yeah, see, then it comes up as Federico, do you see? So it it's not giving the same results as uh, as the, the page translation is. Anyway, should we talk about some video games? What, what have we got this week, Federico? You got some interesting links and stuff that you found for us? Yes, I got I got a couple of links. Uh, the first one is a quite a disappointment. Um, we talked about Codename Steam uh, before. It's an upcoming 3DS game by Intelligent System. Um, strategy game. Uh, I, I remember that I that I had uh, trouble trying to explain this game to Mike because the the mechanics and how you control the game and what you're supposed to do it can be quite difficult to explain um, without seeing the game. Basically, it's an action game where you know you take you take turns and on each turn you gotta um, manage your Steam resources. Uh, Steam is used to move, to attack, or you can keep Steam because all of this is set in a very uh, steampunk. Uh, world, it's like the story doesn't make any sense, but basically everybody uses Steam for stuff. But like, uh, the, the the main plot is like Abraham Lincoln didn't die; he went into yeah. hiding to create this thing. Yeah, and now yeah. he's gotta save the planet from yeah. an alien invasion. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so uh, this game reviews for the American version hit last week. And they are not positive, like, at all. Polygon gave it a 3.5, and Kotaku uh, also had an article uh, titled I Wish I Liked Codename Steam More. And the Polygon review is actually very negative about the game. And I can see why, because reading the review uh, of the full game, not the demo that I was able to try from the eShop, um, I think it's uh, Griffin McElroy writing, writing the review. I think it's Justin. I think Justin, Justin, okay. One, one of the McElroys. I always get yes. them confused as well. Yeah. Um, basically, the final game, at least in the US version that was given to Polygon, has very major issues with gameplay in the, in the sense that uh, the game is slow. Uh, and it's slow because um, they didn't, uh, the developers didn't, ha- didn't add a skip feature for the enemy turns. So every time the the enemies on the screen or on the you know in the current stage are doing anything, you gotta wait and watch. And the Polygon review actually called it um, "watching paint dry, boring." Mm. Uh, so really quite descriptive. Um, so this doesn't make any sense. And but there are more issues. Um, there's a strange difficulty curve. Uh, sometimes the game is too easy. Other times the game is really unforgiving and you got to repeat a mission over and over. And because of the no skipping uh, problem, it can be quite tedious. The story is very shallow. There's no depth. The dialogue is absurd. There's some good voiceover. I think there's a Will Whedon contributed to some of the dialogue. Uh, but overall, the story doesn't make any sense, basically. And so, yeah, some enemies are very annoying because they can shoot you from a distance and you can do anything about it. It can be difficult to aim at these enemies. So basically, according to the reviews, and Kotaku also shares a similar opinion about the game, but according to these reviews, 
Sometimes it can be fun, but most of the time it's boring and it, the story is stupid and the game has some very basic uh, gameplay, game design problems. And that's too bad, because <laughs> I was really excited about the demo. Actually, I still, you know, I, I was, I tried the demo again. I looked back at the demo. I still had fun with the demo. Uh, so basically, either I'm crazy, or the demo is good and the game is bad, or I have no taste. Uh, which could be a possibility. Um, I don't know. I, I'm very, I'm very sad. Very sad. I still haven't ever played the game. Uh but now, now I really don't want to. <laughs> I can understand why. Like, because it's it's not even one of those things where there's like a some you know like with like Kirby Kirby's Rainbow Curse Yarn thing, the most recent one on the Wii U. There seemed to be like difference in opinion from some of the big bigger websites. Some people rated it really highly and some people didn't rate it so highly and it seemed like it was just like a, a different way that people came to the game. Mm-hmm. Depend, like it kind of decided the way they felt about it. But it seems like practically everywhere is just saying this isn't good. Yeah. Um, so it's not filling me with a lot of hope. And I believe that you enjoy it. But... Maybe, that- the, you know, it's one of those things. The demo is actually like the best parts of the game and you don't see the issues and then you play the game and you see all the problems. Exactly. So considering, uh, like, you may have liked it, but you've only played such a small amount of it. Yeah. The people that, like, I think uh, in the Polygon review, the McElroy who interviewed, uh, interviewed who reviewed, so he didn't even finish it. Like, he couldn't finish it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, like, the, the sum up was like, you know, oh, horror, horror, I didn't finish it. But he said, unless the game gave me a, an actual treasure map at the end, which allowed me to find a real jetpack, this game wasn't getting any better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and... um I wonder if maybe, because there's a huge delay with the European release, I wonder if it's one of those cases when the game can get better with a software update, with a patch. You know, not a not a good first impression at all. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I, it, it was the kind of game that I could see myself spending hours into, and these reviews are not, are not good. Like, it's too bad. Speaking of better games, Mike, uh, Metroid Prime, have you, play, have you played the trilogy on the Wii U? I have played none of it, yeah. Okay. Kirk Hamilton and Steven Totilo at Kotaku have started playing the game again. Or, I should say, in Hamilton's case, it's the first time playing Metroid Prime, and Totilo is going through uh, the first Prime again. So their plan is to cover all the three games, but that can take some time, of course. So they are doing this series on playing Metroid Prime. The first article, What's So Great About Metroid Prime, is an intro to the game. Um, Hamilton is, a, is, a, is new to the, to the entire Metroid in 3D kind of thing. And there's a second follow-up article uh, about uh, seeing Samus' face for the first time in, in Metroid Prime. And this, again, this is going to be a series. There's going to be multiple installations, installments actually, <laughs> installations <laughs> are for games, <laughs> installments of the of this series. Um, and I guess there's going to be another article once they finish the first prime, and they're they're moving to uh, to the second one and to corruption. That's um, a good, nice idea. Why are they doing this though? Why? Yeah. Um, I think because Totilo <laughs> loves Metroid Prime and because Hamilton uh, really wanted to play the um, Prime now that it's out 
as a trilogy download on the Wii U. I guess it makes so sense were... to revisit it considering like there are a bunch of players yeah. that can now experience the game where they couldn't before. And like how I they guess... redid the Wii U review, that kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah, Kotaku Kotaku's actually uh, they do all these like they revisit all the reviews for consoles, for games. I like that they were one of the first big sites to drop review scores and basically everyone is now following suit and I guess it of the big sites I read it's just like um I think Polygon is the only one left with review scores because even Eurogamer dropped them I think yeah they uh, did anyway. yeah that's yeah. yeah maybe like at the I think at the the main ones that I read as well I think Polygon is but I've got to say though where I understand it I do still like to just skip to that score sometimes because it's an easy metric yeah. you know because you don't have to read yep. uh, but I, I I, you know all my Mac Stories reviews never had any sort of point based system so I can totally understand the position anyway Metroid Prime Sara we talked about this before um, I'm playing myself the first Prime slowly but I'm playing uh, the first Prime on the Wii U because it's out as a trilogy download. And of course, uh, listeners of the show know of my deep affection and love for Metroid Prime. Um, the, this uh, new series on Kotaku manages to capture quite well the essence of revisiting Prime and also seeing Prime as the first time. But what's interesting is seeing Metroid Prime for the first time in 2015, because the game, the game came out 13 years ago at this point, in 2002 on the GameCube. And of course the trilogy version has a new control system, because it was released for the Wii as a collection. So Nintendo and Retro Studios, they updated the first two games, which were released on the GameCube, to have Wii motion controls. And so there's this whole comparison of using the Wii remote on the Wii U, even though even though Totilo remembers the original game on the GameCube without the motion controls. It's a, it's a fun it's a fun com, you know comparison and different perspectives. What comes across from from these articles is that Prime is still a great game. It can be a little difficult to the shooting part. Because being the game a Wii download on the Wii U, so the Wii is not HD, the Wii U supports HD, which means that the entire game uh, is in low resolution. And they mentioned that when it comes to aiming and trying to shoot at, uh, at distant enemies, it can be a little, dif- a little difficult because of the low-res textures they blur with the background. But besides that... Uh, the game is it it stands out even to even today 13 years after the original release because of the atmosphere because of the very high sense of exploration of being alone on a planet or on a space pirate station spaceship or you know the musical score all these parts they 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 come together with this beautifully rendered and it's really a masterpiece, one of Nintendo's finest games. And in fact, there's a Eurogamer kind of retrospective at the, at the game, and they they say Metroid Prime remains one of Nintendo's greatest and finest games. And I totally agree. 
And in fact, I don't understand why Nintendo isn't bringing the Metroid Prime franchise back, or at least some kind of Metroid, not necessarily Prime. I mean, they did try on the Wii with the other um, game, which is not great, because it's kind of weird, it's a it's done by Team Ninja and it's in third person and they, they did voiceover for Samus, which is kind of weird to longtime fans of the series. Anyway, I want more Metroid. In the meantime, like Totilo and Hamilton, I'm playing the first Prime, but man, I, I want a new Metroid, basically. This is all to say, I want a new Metroid. And there's peop- there's more people like me out there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just yeah. Well, no, I mean, sure. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it to sound like that. Like, like, of course, right? You think that they they're surely gonna do this? Like, why? Why wouldn't they have a a Metroid for for Wii U? Like, I don't know. Yeah, because it's never sold in millions. It's not a. It's not you know. It's not as popular as Zelda or Mario. Sadly. Yeah, I guess it is the. Uh, it's a hardcore kind of yeah. Nintendo game, which can be weird because Nintendo is not really hardcore. Yeah, it kind of isn't what they're about so much. But. It's not what, to, to paraphrase my friend Mike Hurley, it's not know. what they're known for. <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. <laughs> that is a very good point. All right, should we take a break? And we've got some yes. more stuff and we've got some games and, and you've got an interesting little topic. Uh, yeah. we're going to discuss today. So this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. When it comes to buying a domain name, it's the first and only place that I think of, and it's the first website that I go to. Because when it, you come up with a name, when you're trying to think of a name for something, when you're trying, you've got a new idea for a project, giving a name to it can be difficult. And then once you actually do have some ideas, some words or an actual name that you want, first thing you need to do is go and find the domain name. Hover provides a simple, fast, and hassle-free method of buying domains, and it's why I love them. I don't want to be faced with a thousand screens of a difficult search process that's trying to trick me into doing things, or to be like throwing all these different add-ons at me. I just want to get in, select what I need, buy it, and get on with building my new idea. Like they have ev- all of like the, the TLDs that you'd expect, you know, .com, .co, .net, .me. They have the crazy ones if you just you know maybe want to buy a domain for to pay, play a joke on someone, which is. More fun than you'd think, actually. It's why uh, I see many, many domains renewing uh, every couple of weeks from Hover as I realize, oh, yeah, that was when I was buying a couple of joke domains for some people and I just let them renew because why not? They're, they're fun. Um, and it's not expensive either. Hover domains start at like twelve ninety nine for a .com, for example, which is a very, very fair price. And when you think about all the things that you get with Hover, their value for money is incredible. Like, for example, who is privacy is added for free with all of Hover's domains. They believe that you should keep your private information private. They have fantastic customer support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support policy. They have great email support that I've used a few times and have been really, really happy with the responses. And if you're transferring some from your domains from somewhere else, Hover have a valet service. This is where they will take all of the hassle away from you switching from your current provider. They'll just do it all for you. You just contact them. You say, this is the information that I want you to bring over for me. And they'll just go and do it. You know, I've had trouble before where I've tried to do it myself. And I've gotten locked because the registrars, they make you jump for all these hoops, right? Because they don't want you to leave you. But the people at Hover that work in the valet service team, they know exactly all of the tricks to, to get your domains over to the to the bright side of, of hover.com so go over to hover.com right now you want to try them out use the code kickflip at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for virtual that's kickflip k-i-c-k-f-l-i-p thank you so much to hover for supporting this week's show <laughs> 
Federico, can you guess where kickflip comes from for this week? Let me guess. It's either... I don't know. Oli oli. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right, so uh, what do you, have you got anything else? Um, I see there's a, an interesting GTA 5 thing here that I've not... Yes, so. it's a very interesting link, also from to- Kotaku. Um, someone tried an experiment. They wanted to know if the cops in GTA 5 are really racist. Um, there was a video from YouTube um, showing... Uh, the black character of the game, uh, Franklin, I think mm-hmm. is the name, uh, approaching a cop and saying one of those, uh, like, you can approach people and say stuff. And he says something totally non-dangerous or threatening to a cop. And the cop in the game just shoots him. And which, of course, it can be a little concerning, you know, considering it's a game and why is this happening? So this other YouTuber tried an experiment with all the characters in different neighborhoods uh, multiple times to see if the cops are really racist. And the results are interesting because they seem to indicate that they are, but only in some areas of the game. And so the the makers of the video suggest that the game could be calculating uh, a different type of response from the police, depending on low-income areas and basically all these uh, socioeconomic contacts that change depending on the neighborhood that you're in, the character that you're using. And there seems to be, you know, just a little hint of racism, racism in, the, in, the, in how the police in GTA 5 behaves. Uh, but we... Of course, being we are just, you know, the players of the game, we didn't make the game, so we can just guess. Uh, it could be random, it could be a bug, it could be that with more data, you could see that the results are actually different. Um, personally, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if the, you know, if this was the case. It would be really, I mean, sad, both as, you know, of course, it's just wrong, but also it kind of reflects reality mm. in some parts of America. Yeah, so, like, this is the thing like, I looked at something and Rockstar have, uh, they've denied it. But yeah. I I don't know, there's a part of me, like obviously it's terrible, but it feels like it would be a social commentary. Like yeah. if they were, like that that would be interesting, right? Like if, if they'd actually programmed them to, to be racist. Like it would just be an interesting thing that would happen. Like I'm not, obviously nobody wants that to happen in the real world yeah. but it does so you know it would just it, i think it would just be a really interesting thing to have done if that was the case but it doesn't yeah but if rockstar like denied it it makes me think that it wasn't you know social commentary on their part unless they just know. don't want to get into the turmoil mm-hmm. i don't know or, or i don't know it's a it's complex issue you know because the, the developers deny it and the, the, there's this video with all these Data, it's a, it's interesting. I wonder if in the next GTA they will use this, uh, you know, to actually do some social commentary. There's many issues with GTA 5 when it comes to, you know, uh, not just to, to race, but also to the role of women in the franchise in general. Uh, I'm pretty sure you never, ever could play as a woman uh, main role in GTA. Yeah, um, I think one of the problems with GTA is that, like, it's a power fantasy. Yeah. Of white men usually. Yeah. And and yeah. 
like the the game's pure core idea and mechanic is something that is fundamentally wrong and yeah, so like yeah. it, it's always going to be in an in a way wrong you yeah. know because it, they're they're always going to kind of make it that way whether they should or they shouldn't is maybe a com- like is a question for another time but that's what the game is um and and because of the way they make it they're always going to be stepping on people and doing weird stuff you know yeah it would be interesting to see if considering all the changes that the video game industry went into uh, for the past year if the next big gta game will be a more diverse type of uh, type of game when it comes to characters i think it depends what they what rockstar are looking to get out of it because their core audience will be upset yeah that's that you you said that in the perfect way uh, that i was trying to articulate and and, yeah. and for them it's like do they do what they should do or do they do what's best for business? And, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I would like them, to, I would like to see a multiple character game that just has a woman in it. You know, like how they do like the, how this one has had like three characters, right? That you play, just have hmm. one of them be female. Like you could do that now. Like it's nothing. If, yeah. if you're establishing that this is a, a future idea of the game, like, do it like they, it's they, long time coming they've they've been you know they they've gotten better over time at racial representation like i mean I, I know they always pick a specific type like you know so they'll go for like the italian american gangster and then they go for like the they go for like an african-american like gangland guy right but yeah so it would be nice to see them break out, maybe, maybe try and break out of the stereotypes a little bit more. But it, they could at least now try and and, and like diversify gender a bit. It'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just want to see him go to London, but that's a, that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. <laughs> Should be a GTA in Rome. Because there was GTA London, right? Do you know this existed on the PlayStation Two? It's a great game. GTA. GTA London, yeah. It was one. Of, it was when it was still top down, like it wasn't three D. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Grand Theft Auto London, nineteen sixty nine. Man, that's a long time ago. Good memory, Mike. Yeah, that that came out in nineteen ninety nine. I loved this game. Um, and yeah, that it was set in in the, in wow. the late sixties. Good, good memory, Michael. Oh yeah, I loved it. I, I hope I they wanna... would do it again. I wanted to recommend uh, a website because we were, I didn't have this in my notes, so I meant to mention it on Twitter. But speaking of diversity in games and the gaming industry, did you see the new website by Lee Alexander and Laura Hudson? Over... Offworld. That's it, Offworld. Yeah, it's a, I, I guess it's kind of like, um, like a column of a Boing Boing. Yeah, like a, I like think a... it used to exist and yes. now they brought it back. And it's great. I mean, I've been I've been uh, scrolling through the articles. Uh, I myself, I'm a huge fan of Lee Alexander and the kind of stuff that she writes. Um, there's a right now on the homepage. I mean, there's a an article on the Sailor Stream, which is the the game by Simogo for iOS. Uh, great guys, great developers. There's an article on the brass physics in video games. Uh, it's if you it's uh, I, I think when he launched. Uh, Last week, 10 days ago, I was busy with traveling to the US, but I saw the tweets. They're trying to, you know, of course, uh, embrace different parts of the video game community. So it's one of my new subscriptions. 
for video game commentary. Cool. Yeah. Very cool awesome, indeed. Mike. All right, so you mentioned last week that you were going on a trip. Now everybody knows mm-hmm. what that trip was. Uh, how did you find playing video games on the trip, on the plane and stuff like that? Or how I didn't find oh. not playing <laughs> playing games. Yeah. Okay. It's, so I have a, pl- a problem with playing video games on a plane. I simply cannot because I think it's a combination of uh, I cannot focus on the game. I mean... I'm not particularly afraid of flying anymore, but I can still be a little anxious, a little, you know, always, uh, you know, tense. That's the right word. I'm always tense when I fly. And for this reason, I see people with video game consoles, iPhones, iPads. There was a guy, see, I didn't tell you this. There was a guy on the... On the on the flight to America, next to me, um, he was... So first he gets on the plane, he, uh, he orders some champagne, and and then he, he opens the, the screen, the multimedia screen, and he starts to watch The Expendables, the movie with Stallone and with Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. you know, all these people that shoot guns and stuff. So he watches this movie, and then he closes the screen... He opens his laptop, of course, a Windows computer, and he starts working on this boring presentation in PowerPoint. Well, that's his for, job, right? For five hours. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those presenta- presentations with bullet points all over this, the place. It's Every slide was a series of bullet points filled with text. And the, all the the slides were the same, so it was a white background with the red horizontal strip across the top, and I am thinking that he was maybe uh, some kind of network engineer, because, you know, I couldn't help but look at the slides, and it was so boring. It was one slide, <laughs> one section was on queue management of packets, uh, another oh, slide was, uh, was on... Uh, transferring information over emac which i have no idea what it another slide was on the security of vpn networks right and it was so boring so i was thinking of course the guy had alcohol and then he watched the expendables because he needed the courage to to work on this presentation poor Um, guy like he's doing his job man (laughs) yeah i mean i mean no i'm not making not making fun of i mean everybody has his job just for me it was so boring just looking at the person if he fell asleep afterwards which i think it's a good you know interesting indication of the power of a powerpoint did he fall asleep halfway through one slide no, no, no. He worked for a solid couple of hours on the presentation. Should have helped uh, him out. I mean, I, I have no knowledge of you could have, queue, ma- queue management. I don't know. You could have helped him like automate the presentation creation or something. I I, I have no idea how you can automate Windows. Is that uh, even possible? Probably. Even, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, see, this to say, there's people doing all kinds of stuff on airplanes. I like how and, you're you're saying like nobody's ever noticed this before. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> yeah, I need to tell my story. So there's people doing all sorts of things. There was a guy who was really into his iPhone game when we were landing in London. Do you know what he was playing? Uh, I don't know. It seemed like the kind of game. It was swiping really quickly and like he, he was really he was really into the game. You know, he was swiping with his finger, but I, I couldn't see. I, I was I I could only see the iPhone model. It was an iPhone six, and and that he was swiping vertically. Probably some kind of freak ninja, I would guess, based on the frequency of, of swipes. I don't know. Anyway, people do a lot of stuff while they fly, and I cannot. I brought so before going to the airport in Rome, I fully charged. Uh, charged my 3DS, my Vita, I checked all my downloads, I had uh, Zelda, Majora's Mask uh, as a physical copy, had a bunch of downloads on my 3DS, and of course all my uh, downloads on the on the Vita. I didn't touch the consoles at all. They never left my backpack, and the only kind of video game experience sort of I could get was a bit of Altos Adventure while on the plane, and that's it. Uh, The rest of the time. So uh, I realized that uh, because my friends and my family told me I was stupid and probably I was. But basically, I left for America with a slight fever. I was really sick the night before leaving, which is really inconvenient. You know, I'm leaving and then, of course, I I catch a fever. I still think that was the stress, by the way. No, it it was a bug going around my family because everybody got the same symptoms. Okay. Uh, but there could be there could have been some sort of stress. Also. Well, maybe maybe the stress at least lowered your immune system. Who knows? Yeah. So, I was really sick with the with the first flight, and I tried to relax on the plane, but I couldn't. I I was just you know I was all nervous and you know. Plus, you didn't know uh, how to operate your seat. I didn't know I didn't know how to operate my seat. I didn't know how to make it a how to make it a bed because it could become a bed just didn't know how so i was just there you know switching positions slightly and i i listened to some music um but then of course uh i i didn't fully download the music offline oh, because, because <laughs> you didn't prepare just, at all <laughs> yeah i was it was, it was a mess <laughs> i so i just listened to music for a couple of hours and then on the first flight to america uh, of course, I had you know I had some some dinner and then some snacks. I listened to some music and then for seven hours I just stood there looking at nothing. Because Federico, I'm, why didn't you watch any of the movies? I just couldn't. I needed you to listen sat to the noise. For seven hours awake on a plane. Yes. Jeez, I I, ne- I needed to listen to the noise to make sure the plane wouldn't crash. Oh, I don't know. Federico. I really wish I could have gone on this but, trip with you. But, but afterwards, with the return flight, I learned my lesson. Okay, good. So, so I didn't order alcohol because it makes me weird on the plane. I had nothing because I already had dinner uh, sort of at a Starbucks in San Francisco. That so doesn't sound I- like dinner at all. What did you have? <laughs> it was some kind of dinner. It was a donut and a coffee. <laughs> Every time I talk to you, I'm finding out new weird things about this trip. You were only there for a day. <laughs> so, my dinner was a donut and a coffee, okay. which was awful, by the way. So, I get on the plane. I'm like, if I eat and if it makes me feel weird, I'm not going to sleep. 
So, I'm just gonna be tired because of an absence of food. So, uh, you know, instead of, you know, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I just sleep. I knew how to operate my 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 chair, my, my seat, my bed this time. So I made my bed and I slept in it for like eight hours. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Basically, I was awake for an hour. I slept for eight hours. Wow. Woke I've up. Never slept. Well, I've never I've never flown fancy like you see, did. So. See, see I, I, I knew what to do this time. Mm. I I I wake up. I roll in my bed for like 30, 45 minutes, wake up, you know, I, I, I tie my shoes back on, I, I uh, switch the chair to, an, to the seat to a regular position, I have breakfast, and then I'm in London. See, that, that was perfect. I didn't experience the return flight at all, basically was incredible. Still, I couldn't play video games. I couldn't play video games on the flight from London to Rome. So um, what was this? What was? The, what was? Why couldn't you? Because you were just freaking out too much. Like what? I I I think in the first flight I was freaking out, kinda. I was I had a fever. I was tired. I, I felt like I needed a shower, and I didn't I didn't want to take out my consoles. I don't know. I just felt I'm just gonna leave them there. I don't care. Just sit the and flight, at the seat in front of me into the yeah. the. the at the blank media screen <laughs> at the powerpoint, at the PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and the return flight i'm just like i'm just gonna sleep and also what about I the flight from london to rome see that's interesting because on the flight from london to rome i listened to some to some music again i I, I looked out of the window for for a solid amount of time because i was happy to see the landscapes of italy and it, somehow I also didn't play video games. I think, so I think, I simply cannot do stuff on airplanes. This is my conclusion. Um, so I want to know. I guess, Mike, you are different. You are one of those people who do stuff while flying. Yes. I mean, do you just feel like you're at home? You just feel, yeah, whatever, no. I'm just going to read a book or play a game. It's very different. It's a very, very different experience because everything feels more bothersome and tiresome than than it actually is. Because you, you're, no matter what you're doing, you're doing it because you're confined to this place, this space. Mm-hmm. But I load up on things, so I, I will watch some of the movies on the entertainment thing. I'll play some video games. I'll read something. Like I, I make sure I pack enough stuff to fill me with entertainment for the time that I'm in the air. I, I I play lots of iPhone games. I play. Oh, I can't games. tell you this. I put all the House of Cards season three on my iPad. Didn't watch a single episode. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Federica. You need to teach me uh, entertainment lessons for flights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know because when I'm when I'm with other people, I also don't wanna you know be the guy who plays video games that doesn't listen to it, you know to my friends on the plane. When I'm alone, also I'm just you know I need to keep track of what it's going on because what if there's like a terrorist or something on the plane, you know? No, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to to worry. I know that I don't need to. It's just I can I can't help but worry. I know. Yeah, I, I understand, but like you. 
The thing is, the thing is, and, you know, I don't know if this is going to make you any better or any worse. There is nothing you can do about it. <laughs> so you might <laughs> yeah. as well just yeah. try and relax. Like, sitting and looking at the seat in front of you for seven hours sounds like torture. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. I had been meaning to ask you, but just had assumed <laughs> that you were going to tell me about all the video games you were playing. Oh, Federico. <laughs> oh dear I hope that now you've had a, a positive experience on a plane uh, yeah that yeah. you will uh, that you'll be okay you'll be a bit better next time next time I will try to to, to play video games um, this time I just feel just felt like I needed to you know to, to check stuff mm-hmm. to be like one of the crew members were you monitoring <laughs> the engine noises like what else are you doing <laughs> You know, I need to keep track of the vibrations and stuff. Uh-huh. Did you have a little notebook for that? Or, <laughs> or did you have did you were you recording those in editorial? Did you have a little uh airplane <laughs> check? Did I tell you your your British humor is really strong lately? Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure how to take that. <laughs> so why don't we uh now you have actually been playing some video games though. I, I have been playing video games, okay. just not on the plane. So let's let's find out what games you have been playing recently. But before we do that, let's take a break. Thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, and that's our friends over at Bushel. Bushel is a cloud-based mobile device management solution for the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. It allows you to take control of the devices that you have for the people that work in your business or team. But what makes Bushel different is that you don't have to have read a bunch of IT management books to understand how to use this system. It has been built to be easily used by anyone. It's a super powerful IT tool that doesn't need a dedicated IT manager. Bushel's user interface is really clean and simple to understand. It puts great power at your fingertips, allowing you to manage all of the Apple devices that are used by members of your team, the people that you work with or people that work for you. You can uh, use Bushel to set up and manage email accounts on people's iOS devices on their Macs. So, that, you know, you want to set up their exchange servers and all that kind of stuff. You can do it all very easily. It can all be done remotely. It allows you to, uh, if you need to set, you can like set the ability for somebody to be able to use a passcode or to enforce passcodes if you need added security on your devices. You can also remotely install apps as well that they might need to work within your business. Let's say, for example, you use Box or Dropbox or something in your business and you want people to have it automatically so they can just access the files that they need and something that i think is really cool let's say i've used box and dropbox as an example let's say that you use box in your workplace and you install that onto your team's phones but because there's information work information that you you know that for whatever reason maybe you do something that's quite sensitive or you have customer data and you don't want people to be able to share it accidentally you can actually turn off the ability to share data with other apps like say dropbox or google drive it's, it, this is kind of one of those things you can't believe that you can actually do it but you can do it it's, it's possible to do all of this stuff on iOS you just need these tools like Bushel um, it's very powerful very very powerful stuff it's, it takes advantage of some of the stuff that is you know used for the enterprise that's what Bushel is building their platform off of um, and it's it's really really cool and it can also help you with the bring your own device schemes in your workplace you don't have to buy people's iOS devices to put Bushel on it you can set up people's personal phones that they have or their own devices that they have with all of the settings and apps 
that they need for work. And you can also keep them all secured as well. And if somebody leaves your office or they maybe get a different device or something like that, you can wipe all of the business-specific data off remotely without ever touching that individual's personal stuff. So you can remove all of the apps and settings that are just related to work and you won't touch anything else on their devices. Bushel allows for simple, automatic setup of Apple devices in your workplace, allowing you to simply configure and manage them without having to devote all of the resources of an IT manager. With Bushel, you can get all of the control that your business needs without having to lose all of your time. You can sign up for Bushel right now at bushel.com slash virtual as B-U-S-H-E-L dot com slash virtual. The first three devices you register will be free for life. And for any more, it's just $2 per device per month. This is a super awesome deal. You should go and try it out. Thank you so much to Bushel for supporting this show and Relay FM. So Federico. So Mike. What games have you been playing? Recently? So I've been playing again two games. Shovel Knight and Wind Waker HD. So the second one has a bit of a story. I bought, I told you I think, I bought a new TV a while ago, a Samsung, my first uh, 1080p TV <laughs> ever. Uh, quite, you know, I can say that I'm a bit late <laughs> to, to HD. Uh, anyway, my first HD TV, I only managed to connect my Wii U finally, like, this past couple of days. This is full HD, right? You had 720p before. Full HD. Yeah. I had also not so great uh, HD ready. I think it's the label uh, TV before. Now it's a full HD 1080p Samsung television. And Wind Waker HD looks glorious on this TV. The colors are amazing. The definition of the game is super crisp and sharp. And the TV is huge. Uh, for my standards, of course, it's a 32-inch TV, 34. It's much bigger than what I used to have. And the game looks fantastic. The, the color of the... So, Wind Waker HD is a remake for the Wii U for an original GameCube game, also from 12 to 13 years ago. And it was uh, you know, remade with HD graphics and a couple of adjustments to... Uh, to the, nav- to the actual navigation in the sea, and also a bunch of additions for Miiverse integration, which is kind of awesome because you can basically drop in, drop messages in a, in a bottle into the sea, and they go out to Miiverse to random people in the mm. in the world. So I got a, I got a message from somebody today, and likely luckily there was no weird drawing in the message. It was Hooray. just a picture. Was just a picture from the game. So yay for me. Um, anyway. The game looks fantastic on the TV. I I spent a couple of hours um, today and yesterday just visiting, you know, Windfall Island and going out to the sea and talking to people. I Wind Waker HD is the kind of game where I get lost into just to read the funny dialogue. It's my first time playing the game in English because when I was when I was younger, for some reason. I played the game in Italian. I'm not sure why. Probably because I wasn't already into playing games in the original language. I like um, how you, you say, like, I'm not sure why. Like, you don't speak Italian. Like, I have no idea why I would play this game in Italian. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not the point. It's just, you know, I told you growing up, I, I always made yeah, yeah. sure to, yeah. Sometimes I still play games in Italian. I don't know. Um, 
Although I gotta say, some Nintendo games had excellent Italian translations. And I remember one specific case was of the first Mario and Luigi game for the Game Boy Advance, Superstar Saga. The Italian translation was amazing. Like, I'm not sure how the game was in English, but they readapted all the jokes and the you know the references and the cultural stuff that you know sneaks into dialogue in video games and it totally made sense um in italian it was awesome anyway wind waker hd looks great on my new samsung tv so i'm really happy with the fact that when i bought a wii u i had a free download code for wind waker hd shovel knight on the 3ds uh, now that I have a new 3DS, I've been playing this game more and more because, you know, it lends itself well to, uh, to this console. It's, I can do, you know, I can do a level real quickly. And what I realized is that going into the game, going forward, you know, with the levels, um, it can get quite difficult. I mean, I'm dying a lot in this game and I'm not sure how I will manage to get to the final levels because you know, I get frustrated when, when a game is too hard and there's no, like, in Super Mario, in the Super Mario games for the 3DS when you fail too much at a specific level, the game helps you which I know for purists of the, you know, video games it kind of feels like cheating because, you know, the game is helping you you're supposed to, you're supposed to be stronger than the game but still, for people who, like me, who, you know, I have work, I have family I gotta do stuff around the house I cannot spend hours and hours anymore like when I was a teenager obsessing over a single level so I appreciate when, you know, modern games help, help me, you know, move forward without me getting stuck and instead Shovel Knight is really old school not just in the mechanics and the graphics and the sound mm-hmm. but also in the way that it treats players is that right? Yeah, I think so Yeah, Sounds about right to me Yeah And the third game is, this is new to me, I didn't think I could enjoy this type of game on iOS, is Two Dots. So, my understanding is that the original Dots was a multiplayer game by Betaworks. And because the game was so successful, they launched like a spin-off company called Dots Company, Two Dots Company. We Play Dots? We Play Dots, yes. And Two Dots is the single-player game. version of the Dots franchise oh, and no, it's no, a puzzle no, no. game Dots, Dots, the original one was a single player game also was a single player game? yeah but it wasn't, it was just you just had levels and the level was always a cube and you, it was the same function but it was just a cube okay. and it was a, t- it was a time limit Like you have to see how many points you can amass in a time limit effectively oh cool so in two Dots there's a puzzle game you need to connect Dots of the same color using only straight lines so you can do vertical lines, horizontal lines, you can do little snakes on the screen basically, uh, or you can do squares, basically figures that, you know, you start from point A and you close at the same point going around the level. And it's really quite addicting because there's uh, all these colored pieces falling from the top of the level, kind of like Tetris, but you know, it's kind of different. It's Tetris mixed with, uh, uh, I don't know, old puzzle games, uh, like yeah. I remember Lumen on the on the PSP was kind of based on the same idea. Yeah, it's uh, like that matching, you know, the matching. Matching, idea. yeah. Interesting things it does, like when you collect four together and it and it uh, like erases all the like all of the yep. the dots of a certain color. 
Um, but but this one has the free to play. Yes. Element about it. Yes. So if you get stuck in a level, because you can, so there's a always a objectives that you gotta unlock in each level, like complete thirty dots of the orange color, of the red color, whatever. And if you cannot do that in a specific amount of moves, you need to restart a level. And restarting mm-hmm. a level requires you to spend a life. Once you're out of lives, you need to wait, and that's kind of awful because. Either you wait, like, say, six minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes. Uh, so, basically, you really need to stop playing the game and do something else, or you pay. Uh, which is awful, because I'm, you know, I usually despise these types of games. Like, I remember when Real Racing 3 came out, I was really upset. And I told you before about watching my girlfriend waiting to repair the tires or, like, the the car parts that were damaged. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, yeah, I'm waiting for the mechanic. Why are you waiting for a mechanic in a game? Anyway, um, typically, I don't like these games. But this one is so cute and addicting. And the characters are you know, cute, the music is also cute, everything is cute about this game, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, I can make an exception, and so I'm making an exception to my general rule of not trusting free-to-play games uh, for two dots. So yeah, these are my games. I like them, thank you. Uh, I'm interested that you didn't know about this until now, two dots. No, I'm just like, I want to play a new iOS game. Yeah. And I go to the app store, there's uh, Apple as, a, as, you know, this curated sections on the front page. I'm like, best game updates. So there was an update apparently to two dots. I'm like, yep, I don't have the game, whatever. Let's just try this game. And I'm into it. <laughs> so yay, Apple curation. There's a new Angry Birds game that I've been uh, trying. Uh, the Angry Birds Stella Pop? That's the one. Okay, so it's basically like uh, bubble... What's the name? Bubble? Bubble Bubble. Bubble Bubble, bubble. yeah? Kind of yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you fire colored, like, balls, basically, into the sky to collect, like, to, uh, I can't really explain it, and you have to kind of, like, hit similar colored balls to make them go away. I think a lot of people play games that are like this. Yeah. It's fine. Like, it's kind of, it fits the bill, like... I can't work out where the free to play mechanic comes in yet. It's like because you have to, you have like tasks to do, but I haven't yet hit a point where I had to pay. Hmm. Um so I don't know. Interesting. Man, Angry Birds has really kind of faded into irrelevancy. Yeah, they're trying to do different things and it's none of them are taking off. I, I think they are expecting that they have another game in them which is going to be like yeah. the killer. But if they do, it's not Angry Birds. It's not. It's, it's not a variation kinda, of Angry Birds. It's kind of sad, right? I, I mean, think it was so. this huge phenomenon a couple of years ago, and now it's kind of. You know, I expect that there are still a ton of new people still finding it and playing it, and they're still making a caboodle of money, right? I expect that that's the case, but yeah, it's just kind of not, irrelevant. They're not making history, I guess. Anymore. Anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 they, I mean, they, they, they've turned into a bit of a publisher. Maybe some, maybe something else will fall into their hands, you know, at some point. But I think the Angry Birds franchise is no longer the thing it was. It was a huge thing, but now it's Minecraft. 
Yeah, that's true. you know Minecraft is the franchise now. Where for a while Angry Birds was the big one, and it was all the kids spoke about. But like, I'm, I'm taking a look now. Angry Birds is still number thirteen on the top page chart. Well, so there it's, you go. it's still making a ton of money. It's just yeah. not. It's just not part of the zeitgeist anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So I've been playing a couple of games. Um, our, our good friend, uh, uh, one of the hosts of Isom- the Isometric Podcast on Five by Five, Mr. Steve Lubbitz, he suggested uh, a game to me after I finally got him to get hooked on Oli Oli, uh, called Rollers of the Realm. Have you ever heard of this Vita game? No. First time. Tell me about these games. Same here. I had no idea about it. Rollers of the Realm is a pinball RPG. It's a what? Yep. Oh, let me Google this. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pinball RPG. So, it's a role-playing game. It's set in like medieval times um, with what I consider to be horrific voice acting, but that's the only thing I'll say about that. I think it might work to non-British audiences. Just some of the choices that they make on the, on the characters are really weird, um, like strange accents, which are... Anyway. Uh, and you effectively... You start as a character and you amass a party over time and you have to get through level to level. And every level is a pinball table. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm looking at the screenshots. It's, it is fantastic. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. And you advance by like, can, you have you have like achievements, like, goal, not achievement, like goals that you have to get through to advance through each level. Sometimes it's to knock out all of the enemies. So it's just like by hitting the pinball at certain targets or you have to collect keys and then use the keys to unlock treasure chests. It's all just in a pinball style. And you have different characters, like different sized balls that have different abilities about them to allow you to advance. It, I've gotten a bit stuck, and, and Steve was saying this to me, like it can get a bit hard in places, but you just keep persevering through it. I basically, I was unsure about it when he told me about it. I looked at the screenshots, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, and I played it for like three hours. It's really good fun, and it's so different. So can you can you like there's levels? Yeah, you level characters? up. Yeah, you level up. You get experience points. And you can gain coins, and then coin you can use the coins to buy, uh, oh like different god. different like uh equipment for your characters and stuff like that. Oh god! Oh man! This is a really <laughs> good game, and and I'd never heard of it. When was it released? Uh, in 2014, I think. And we missed this. Apparently, most people did. Ah, it's from Atlas. Interesting. I'm trying to find out when it was released. Rollers of the Rail. Um, no, cross-buy, PS4, Looks like it came out, to, yeah, 2014. It was on Steam in November, but yeah, it's cross-buy. Very nice. There's a, there's a dog in the game? Yep, so the, one of the characters, the main character, whose name I can't remember... Um, you when her ability because they have abilities. Her ability when you get to a certain mana level, so you're collecting up like mana through the level. Right? It's very RPG like. Her ability is to set her dog out, and her dog is another ball. So then there's two balls on the table that you're using. The Vita is a great system for pinball games in general because of the the triggers, yeah, and the way they're placed. In effect, there's just yeah. two of them. Uh, it, this is a, a a very good Vita game. Very, very good Vita game. Nice. Yeah, you, you didn't expect that one, did you? No, not at all. No, I didn't either when Steve told it. I told thought it was some it. kind of roller skating game. <laughs> <laughs> you think so, right? Rollers. 
<laughs> yeah. The other game I've played for Rico, I haven't played enough of this yet, is Hotline Miami 2. Um, It's Hotline Miami, but much, much harder. <laughs> That's effectively oh, what this it's is. It's harder than the first oh, one? Oh, it's so much harder. Oh, okay, so not for me at all. The levels are larger. <laughs> oh, man. So it makes it harder to get through. There's more places you can die. Um, But every, it's kind of everything about Hotline Miami, but bigger. You know, like... It looks so much better. It the the music is amazing. It's got this really just fantastic aesthetic about it, this eighties vibe. I cannot at all understand what is happening in the story. I have no idea. Uh, but Did I didn't you finish re- the first game? No. And apparently you will understand I've heard that by finishing the first game it helps you understand what's happening. But I never really understood what was happening in the first game either. Uh, the tutorial's quite interesting, like if you call it a tutorial, it's like a movie. It's like you're playing a scene of a movie. It's quite an interesting way of doing it. But there's a couple of like flourishes, like the pause screen when you pause it. It looks like the pause screen of a VHS tape. So it has like that static running along the middle and it has the selection of options and it looks like a VHS tape. And there are certain points in the game where it does a flashback. When it does a flashback, it rewinds. It makes a rewinding sound. There are just some little flourishes to it. It's basically like Oli Oli 2 in that they made a game that was good and it got success. So the new game is is everything about the previous game, but with a lot more polish to it. And one of the things that they've done is make their levels harder, but in making the levels harder, it makes it actually harder to complete. But I do want to play more of it because it is kind of like... Like Hotline Miami 2 is, unfor- is, is very violent, and it's kind of like a game about a kind of violent torture in a way, you know, because you're kind of just killing loads of people. Uh, and in, and the game kind of does its own way of torture for you because it's so bloody hard. Um, but I think it's worth checking out, especially if you if you enjoyed the first game, it's definitely worth checking out because it's kind of just like bigger and bolder and brighter. Um, and I, and I do intend to play more of it. I've only played it on my Vita. I haven't played it on my um my PS4 yet. It seems to be maybe the first PlayStation game that handles cross-save correctly, because every time it saves, it pops up and says cross-save successful. Every Vita game I've ever used, you have to access a specific menu or somewhere in the options and ask it to upload cross-save data. And then on the other console, you have to retrieve cross-save data. It's like the worst system. It should just do it automatically if there's an internet connection. Yeah, like I've I've lost an overridden data because of that, and it's very very frustrating, because it's very easy to go onto the PlayStation Four, for example, and instead of pressing retrieve, accidentally press upload, and then you overwrite the data that was on the Vita. Yeah, yeah, like, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I don't know why if I don't know why if, if these guys are able to do it, then then everybody else can't. But yes, yeah, so they're, the, they're the games that I've been playing, Federica. Very nice. Awesome, great games. Yeah, great picks. I, I wanna, I wanna check out. Ro- gotta check the, out Rolls of the Realm. Yes. Yeah, you really, yes. really do. You really do. It's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. And okay. Hotline Miami Two, wrong number. Soundtrack is epic. Right, I think that about wraps up this week's episode. 
It's a nice yeah. and concise show today. If you want to find the show notes for this week, you want to head over to relay.fm slash virtual slash 30. If you want to catch up with us online, there's a few ways you can do that. Um, you can find Mr. Federico Vitici. He is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter. And he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. And I am Mike Hurley. I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And I am the host of many shows on Relay.fm, of which this show is a part. Um, and we would love you to check it out. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Hover and Bushel, for helping us out. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.